greatly blessed by being able to come out here to meet with those of like precious faith to discuss some of the things that we believe that the Bible teaches and to meet and to enjoy the pleasant association with our loved ones. Now you people here have made me and my wife and my mother and my daughter feel most welcome here in your community and we, we appreciate it very much. So I would like to express my thanks to each and every one of you here this morning for coming out here to hear what we have to say. Because we feel that the things that we have to say are of a great deal of importance to everybody here, whether you're a little a child or whether you're up in years such as Brother Willie and Brother Harry here. We think that we have something that will be of benefit to everybody here. You know, my mind goes back when I am in Texas of the pioneer families that left Texas some 80 years ago and went into New Mexico. They took the truth of the Bible with them as they went into New Mexico. Brother Ellie's grandparents, and my grandparents, and possibly some folks uh, of others that are here came into the place where we live and, and they brought the truth of the Bible with them when they went into New Mexico. You know, that reminds me about Abraham and Lot when they left Ur of the Chaldees and they went into the land of Canaan. Uh, they took the truth with them, too. Abraham was a just man, and, and we feel that, that our uh, forefathers were also just men, and we have them to thank that we are able to learn by their experiences and that we are able to have the Bible here to go by and see whether the things that they taught were true or not. Now we don't proceed to take anybody's word for it, whether it was our forefathers, whether it was my grandfather or anybody else, but we do say that we will take the word of God for it, and that's what we have to go by. Now, if we say that in our hearts, that we will do that, then I absolutely believe that we'll be on the right track and we can agree on what the Bible says and what it means for us to learn from it. Because we're told that all Scripture is given for our learning, and if we will take it for that, and, and just as it is left for us, then we can probably get something out of it. But if we have a preconceived idea of what we're going to do and the way we're going to look at the Bible, what we're going to believe, maybe what somebody else has told us or something like that, then we're on the wrong track. Because here this morning when we consider these things, the first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to take your Bibles, <clears throat> open them up, and let us agree on what the Bible says about things. And I believe that each and every one of you here will say that that's a fair thing to do because that's what we are met here for this morning is to consider what the revealed Word of God has for us. 
And I hear that it's customary in Texas when you do things, you do them in a pretty big way. So I hope I don't let you down here this morning on that. And I can't keep from thinking that possibly our forefathers, those old Texans that that uh, probably started that saying, they might have gotten that from the Bible. Because you know when God does things, he does things in a pretty big way. When he made the creation, the whole world, he made the whole thing in a week, we call it, in, in six days. That sounds like a pretty big order, doesn't it? To make the whole creation in that length of time. Then when God had this creation all made, well, he also did something else in a big way. Then he rested from all his works that he had made. He didn't fool around and do uh, this or that. It says, the Bible says that he rested from, from his work. So we get from that a lesson that we are to take a day of rest. And we might say take a day off to learn of the plan and, and the purpose of God and to meet such as we do when we come out upon Sunday, which is the first day of the week. That's what Christ and the apostles taught. To meet upon the first day of the week to commemorate the death of our Lord. So when we think about these things and, and consider them seriously, we see that, that it's all here for our learning and that we have uh, a quite a, a bit to learn from and, and uh, quite a bit to learn. Now we might think that we are ever so smart or we might think that we are ever so well read in the scriptures. But you know we can turn back through the pages of the Bible and learn something each time we read it. The Bible is written so we can learn from it that way as we go along. That's why we're commanded to continue to study and to continue to search the scriptures. For in, in the scriptures we think we have hope of eternal life. Now in considering modern Christianity, such as we probably see it all about us everywhere today, especially here in the United States where we live in the land of plenty. We all have the necessities of life and we have many of the luxuries of life which we are able to enjoy in many instances. God has given us all of these things during these last days upon the earth here. And when we look about our beautiful nation and our wonderful country here in the United States, we, we see that we have been greatly blessed by living in such a place as we do. So it's our duty then toward God to do something in return for what God has given us. But as we look about ourselves in the world today and we see what is known in the world as modern Christianity, people who profess to be Christians of all churches, of all denominations, they all go to church and they all serve God in the way that they want to. That's one thing that we can do here in this country is to serve God 
the way we want to according to the laws of the land. But you know, God says that we shall serve him according to his plan of salvation. Now, when we see the modern churches of today, the many different denominations, I don't know how many there is, but I know there's quite a few, it might bring to our mind some great beautiful building, some real elaborate place that is decorated all pretty colors, maybe has carpets all over the floor and just about the finest church that you could imagine. And we see the people that are going to these churches then, they're, oh, they're decked out in the finest clothes that you could imagine. And they flash $100 bills around, so I'm told that it's just a common, ordinary thing. And then possibly we might think of some person back in the back there at the pew or the altar or whatever you might call it, being decked out in some big, fine robe, possibly. And he would come out in his... Uh, uh, gown or robe or maybe we should call it uh, some other means of dress maybe a uniform would would suit it more and be a better word for it you know in the days that we're living in now it seems that people most people uh, accept a uniform or something like that as, as being official they see that and they think well that's 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 official because it came from the one with the, with the cape on or the uniform. Well, I'm going to bring to your mind now just, just for a little bit something along that line that, that'll be a pretty good illustration of what I'm getting at. If we were going down the street possibly at a little bit uh, faster clip than we were supposed to and a policeman would come along and give us a ticket He'd come sailing up behind us in a big fine car with his red light flashing and his siren blowing. And we would be stopped and this fellow would get out with his uniform on and his badge and his gun and he would come walking up to us and he would say, I'm giving you a ticket here for running a red light or speeding or whatever the case might be. And we more or less respect that person and we think, boy, we've sure been ticketed, all right. That's, that's really been the case. But you know, if this person was to come up to us in, might say, ragged clothes and maybe barefoot and wouldn't be shaved or anything like that, and he would say, I'm going to give you a ticket. Well, we might say, now, wait a minute here now. You don't have the authority to do this. Even if he did have his star and his badge and all, we wouldn't hardly think that he was the right kind of a person to do this. But still, when you went to pay off the ticket, you'd have to pay just the same for one as you would for the other. Now, we want to make it clear right here and right now that it isn't the deck of apparel that God looks at when we come out to worship him. And it isn't some uniform that we put on that is supposed to be something official to go by. As we said to begin with, 
we'll have the Bible here to go by, and whatever clothes we might have on or anything like that, just let that be as it may, and let us just lay everything aside and open up our minds and consider these things in the Bible here to see just exactly what God has uh, in mind for us, us to believe and to teach. Now, I realize as I'm standing here that I'm proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And that's a pretty serious thing because we read in the Bible that when you teach the word of God that you're supposed to teach it in its purity. You're supposed to teach it the way God has left it for us. And it also tells us in the Bible that if we teach other things, what will happen to us? So I realize the sincerity of it as I stand here before you. And I don't take a great deal of credit for this myself, but I realize that God has just merely given me the strength to stand here before you to proclaim the things that I'm uh, going to get at a little bit later on. I haven't gotten into this subject well yet, but I believe after I consider these things with you, and we consider modern Christianity, that you'll agree with me on what the Bible teaches about it. Now, when we consider really modern Christianity, we say that we're living in the space age and all of that, and that we're living a pretty fast pace of life, Maybe our minds should go back just a little bit and see just exactly what Christianity is. You know, if we'll look up Christianity in the Bible, we'll see that it means that it was the doctrines that were taught by Christ. Now, I think you'll agree with me that we can't go wrong on saying that we are teaching the doctrines that were taught by Jesus Christ. Now, a good place to find some of the doctrines that Christ taught is to turn back in our Bibles over to Matthew in the fifth chapter. And right there we find what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the reason why they call this the Sermon on the Mount is because it starts off saying that he went up into a mountain. So if anybody should ever ask you what the Sermon on the Mount was or what it is, what it says, well this is what you can tell them and this is what you have to go by. And seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, now this is when he began his sermon on the, sermon on the mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you 
and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now that's some of the teachings of Christ. It goes on there for several pages, the sayings of Christ there. But we won't go into all of that at this time. But I believe that if we will consider the things that we have read there, say, in the first 12 verses that we have quite a bit there to consider because Christ taught that we're to be meek and humble, submissive. We're not supposed to be uh, rich people that come out to show that we have riches and that we want to do our alms before men. We're supposed to come out and show that we want to do our alms before God and let God be true though everybody else is a liar, so the Bible says. So if we will do that, then I believe you can say that, that we're on the right track. Now, this person that goes to church uh, the modern person that's living in the day that we live in today, perhaps he should ask himself the question, uh, what is my duty to God? What should I do? Which church should I go to? And when I go to church, what, what should I do? Well, sir, the only thing that you have to go by there is just what I have, and that's the Bible. Now, he tells us to come out upon the first day of the week to come to church, and he also tells us that when we do these things, that it's pleasing to God, and we're supposed to have a faith that's known in the Bible, and we know that the Bible definition of faith is uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So our faith then must be in, in God, that he is a God, and that he lives in heaven or he dwells in heaven, and that, that he is just one God, and that in the fourth chapter of Ephesians we're told that there's just one God and one faith and one hope, so if there's just one of these things, then we want to absolutely get a hold of that one so we can be on the right track. Now if there's just one God, then we place our faith in that one God, the, the God who has given us the Bible here to go by, the God that, as we said, made the heavens and the earth and he created man here such as we are today. Now. When God created man and he formed him there in the very beginning, we know how man sinned and he, he fell short of the glory of God and that caused a curse to be put upon the earth. 
He said cursed. This ground was cursed. And thorns and thistles would come forth from the ground. And from the sweat of man's face he would he would work or he would eat bread till he returned back to the ground. For uh, he was made from the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now that is what is known as the law of sin and death right there. That is what is known to us as being the law that condemned man all down through the ages. That's the law that when we're born into this world, we're born under that law, the law of sin and death. And there's not a thing in the world we can do about it as far as natural birth is concerned. That's something that's beyond our control when we're born into this world. We just simply come under that condemnation which God passed upon uh, uh, way back there in the beginning. Of dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, if we have the proper faith, if we have the one faith, then the next thing for us to do is to change our relationship from this, uh, this sin-cursed race, the Adamic race, and put on the name of Christ, put on the saving name. Now this one faith that we have is the faith, the same faith that Abraham had that we spoke of back there. Because unto Abraham were given these exceeding great and precious promises that we also become the seed of Abraham and might be partakers of the things that were promised to Abraham and his seed. Now this one faith that we have, if we uh, lay hold on this thing and lay a good fast hold upon it, what's the next thing for us to do? Well, the next thing for us to do it says is to show our faith by our works. For it says faith without works is dead being alone. So how in the world can we show our faith by our works? Well, sure, I'll tell you how and I'll prove it by the Bible. We're told that as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now we know what the promise was and what it is. Uh, he promised Abraham the earth and he promised him everlasting life to possess it with. So the very first thing for us to do then if we have this one faith is to show our faith by our works by being baptized into the name of Christ. Now, when we meet the waters of baptism, we realize that we're supposed to know the plan of God that he has for us because we have examples that when they had believed the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, then that's the time for us to be baptized into the name of Christ. Now what about it then after you've been baptized? Well, sir, a good bit could be said right along that line, and we'll consider some of those things right now. 
it says just as sure as we've ever been baptized, just that sure we're going to come out of the grave if we should die before Christ returns, just that sure we're going to be summoned before the judgment seat of Christ. There's not a way in the world we can get out of it, and we're thankful for that because God has given us this plan that we can come to him and that, that we can have a chance for eternal life. So just as sure then as we show our faith by our works, by being baptized, just that sure we'll come out of the grave and be uh, summoned to the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is a pretty serious thing to think about. You know, sooner or later, if the Lord delays his coming, we're all going to die, and there won't be a thing that we can do about it. We see that man lives and dies, and he has all down through the ages. The Bible tells us that man has sought out many inventions, but he never has found a way, and he never will find a way that can save him from death other than the way that God has laid down here, which is known as the one hope, the hope that if we die, we shall live again. There was a question asked one time, and it was a Bible question, and it was asked, if a man dies, shall he live again? Well, sir, that's just what we're telling you here this morning. That's a pretty real thing to know that even though someone is dead, that they can be raised up from the dead, resurrected to life and live again. Resurrection means a, uh, I heard one brother put it, a resurrection or a standing again. Now we know that, that resurrection in the full sense of the word means that the general <coughs> resurrection when everybody are, are raised from the dead that have made a covenant with Christ with God through sacrifice by being baptized into the name of Christ we know that that's the time when they will be resurrected and judged and given their reward whatever it might be now the Bible tells us that that a workman is worthy of his hire so if we have been baptized into the name of Christ then if we will put our shoulder to the plow, you might say, and make a hand and go at this thing wholeheartedly, then our wages might be eternal life. But after we have been baptized, if we go back and serve sin and live in sin, then just that sure our wages will be death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. It was in the beginning and it always will be. Now, the person that has never been baptized into the name of Christ, the Bible tells us that they have their portion in this life. And it says, if in this life only you have hope in Christ, you're of all men most miserable. So we don't want to be of all men most miserable, so let's lay our hold and our faith on things that are eternal and see if we can't get a chance to live forever. Now that's a pretty big word and it's such a big word that possibly we can't uh, realize the absolute greatness of it. 
to just think that we could live on and on and not have to die and that we would be living in a world that would be cleansed from this curse that was put on it back there when the ground was cursed but we will be living in a world when that curse will be removed from off the earth and that will be like the Garden of Eden was there before Adam and Eve sinned it will be back to its Edenic stage which is uh, spoken of in the Bible that he shall choose it again. Now that's such a great thing that we absolutely don't want to let it slip and get away from us. Whether we're a child or whether we're a grown person, this absolutely brings it right down to us as individuals what we are supposed to do about it. Now we see death claiming youngsters and we see it claiming the middle-aged people and the older people. It claims everybody and there's not a way in the world that we can escape it. Now wouldn't it be a pretty good thing if some of our loved ones, whether it was our mother, our father, our husband, our wife, or whether it was our daughter or our son or some of our folks or some of our loved ones, when they die, or when we die, however the case might be, if we know that they have that one hope, that will bring them out of the ground to a resurrection. If we know that God just assures the word of God is true, that he has promised us that you shall live again. If a man dies, he shall live again. And in one place it says, All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. Now this change is going to come at the time when Christ comes back to this earth and sets his foot upon this earth again. He said that he was coming back. And when he does, that's the time that, that he's going to make the deal with us, you might call it. That's the time when we'll be summoned before the judgment seat of Christ there to give an account of the deeds that we have done while we were in the body. Now, after we've been baptized into the name of Christ, we're supposed then to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called, with all lowliness and meekness, such as we read here in the fifth chapter of Matthew. That's the kind of Christians that we're supposed to be, and that's what God expects of us. That's what he says that there's just one way and that's, that's the way that, that we do this is the one way that God has prescribed for us to do it. Now I'm going to ask you some questions now and they might be pretty uh, personal questions and pretty serious questions. And when I ask them, we'll give a Bible answer for it. Because these are questions that might confront us sometime or other and when they do we ought to have our minds made up about it so we'll know what to do when this thing comes about. Now if you're a person that wants to serve God and you want to be a Christian and if there is a hereafter for man you want a part of it and you want to join the church if that's what it takes and you want to know which church to join 
so that you will be in the right one, the one that God says that there's just one way, then let's ask ourselves a few questions. Let's find out what these churches teach. And first of all, let's see if they have that one faith that we were talking about. Next, then let's see if they believe in the one God. You know, we see many churches that believe in three, what, what is known as the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, which is all uh, united into one head, you might call it. Now, we can set you straight on that once and for all right here, because it says back there in Ephesians 4, you can turn back there and read it, that there's just one God, there's not three, He's not known as three different parts. But there's one God and there's one Lord. And there's one faith. So if there's just one, then that lets out the three, don't it? Now let's just be honest with ourselves and with God and everybody else and take this thing in its purity as God has left it here on record for us. And let's not be influenced by modern philosophy, whatever it might be, because we're told there in the reading that Brother Harry read that in the last days that there would be people that would try to seduce us and persuade us to believe things that, that are absolutely not right, not according to the Bible. So when, when this time comes, let's have our mind made up what we're going to do about it. So the Bible tells us that there's one God and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born as a little bitty baby. So absolutely, you see, that lets out uh, any chance in the world of God and Christ being uh, one. Now, they both are united in the thing that, that we hope for. In other words, if... Uh, if my father should tell me to go out and do uh, something, then what my father told me to do and what I would be doing, we would, would be thinking along the same line. And that's the way God in Christ. God is the Father and Christ is the Son. And Christ was, uh, was a perfect example of what God wants us to do because he never did commit one act of sin. Now that's something that we can't brag about because the Bible tells us that we are absolutely not able to live that good a life. It's the man that says he's without sin, the truth's not in him. So we don't uh, claim to be perfect. We don't claim that anybody was ever perfect except Christ. But we do claim that he was the perfect example that was left for us. And if we will always look to that example in setting our uh, sights, you might say, on what we're to do, then we'll be on the right track. Now, many times the question is asked in modern churches, do you want to go to heaven? Well, many times they can talk and make it sound like, well, you bet, I'd sure like to go to heaven because that, that would be a place of bliss and a place that, that would sure be a good place to go to. 
But that's another thing that's spoken of there in, in these last days that we live in, that, that we're not supposed to let ourselves be seduced by sayings of men, because when Christ left, he says, where I go, you cannot come. Well, that's enough said, isn't it, right there. That leaves us out. We can't go to heaven because he said that he was going into heaven and where he went that we couldn't come. So if that be the case, we might as well forget about that. But here in the fifth chapter of Matthew, we're told that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now that's where we're going to spend eternity if we're are among those that God finds worthy to inherit the earth. So that's, that's what the, the eternal thing is going to be. We're not going to God, but Christ is coming back from heaven down here so that he can be with us. That's what he says, that he'll be with us. And it'll be such a real thing that he can even show you the scars in his hands where he was nailed to the cross. That, that it's just that real. Now that isn't something spiritual or something that's pictured off in our minds as a floating cloud or something like that. That's the real thing. That's how real it will be when Christ does come back to this earth. Now, when we think of joining a church, let's join ourselves to the one that says that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come down here to the earth. Thy will be done here on the earth as it is done in heaven. That, that's what we want to, to be. That's, that's what we want to, to go by. It's what the Bible says about it. Another thing now, many churches and many different beliefs are believed and taught about how we uh, uh, become, you might say, united into the body of Christ, or how are we uh, supposed to attain this eternal life? Some of them will say, well, we baptize our believers. Others will say, we don't baptize them, we sprinkle them. Others will say, we don't do anything, we just let them confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's that's good enough. And others will say you don't have to do anything, that everybody's going to be saved. It don't just so you believe something, it doesn't matter what you believe, well you'll it will be accepted with God. But again we have to turn to the Bible to to see just what God has said about that. Now he says there's one baptism also. And when we're baptized, it takes water to do it with. The, the word baptism itself means to dip or to immerse or plunge into. And it doesn't mean sprinkle or confess with your mouth or anything like that. It means just what it says, to be baptized. Then that waters of baptism wash you from your sins, from that law of sin and death. That's when you come out from under the curse of that law of sin and death and you come into this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the thing then that brings us into what is known as covenant relationship with God. 
That's when we have, you might say, signed our part of the contract. God has laid the contract out before us, the covenant. All we have to do now is to accept it just as he laid it out to us. And it isn't a hard thing to do. Some people might say, well, it's, it's pretty uh, a disagreeable thing to have to go out and be dipped and baptized into the water. Well, when you come right down to it, there's not anything bad about it at all. There's not anything that will hurt us in any way in the world. But there is something about it that God had it in his plan that that's the way he wanted it to be and that's the way we'll have to do if we please God. So that's another time then that we have to draw a strict line and say that there's just one way to come into covenant relationship with God and that is through the waters of baptism. That's the way that he has told us that we can meet the covenant, uh, our part of the covenant. The next thing then we might wonder about, people say that, uh, well, if you don't go to heaven, then you go to hell. Well, uh, let's see what the Bible teaches about that. Now, we find that, that the wages of sin is death. That's what we said a while ago. That's Bible words. That's, that's where we get it, that the wages of sin is death. Now that doesn't sound like a burning hell, does it? Well, it also tells us that, that hell or the grave that we go to when we die, that the small and the great are there, and that in the death state that man doesn't have a bit of preeminence above the beast. The Bible says they all have one breath, the man and the beast, and they all go into one place. Well, that's plain words, isn't it? We can understand that. We can see then that this hell that is, is spoken about in many of the churches of today that tries to scare us into something that if we don't join this church that we'll go to hell and burn forevermore. The Bible defines this word hell, which in many times it's spoken of as a fire that burns in Revelation there it says it's, that it's cast into the lake of fire. Then it identifies it. It hangs a tag on it so that we can forever know what it is. It says that it's the second death. Well, that, that's what it is. Uh, the second death is absolutely final. That's the death that we will receive at the judgment seat of Christ if we have been found uh, unworthy. And we will die again. That'll be the second death. That's where you see that the wages of sin is death even though we've been baptized into the name of Christ. If henceforth after we've been baptized we serve sin then just that sure that, that's what it'll be. There at the, at the judgment seat of Christ it'll be uh, death again. He, he will say to those, Depart from me, ye cursed, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And, and that'll be pretty bad words. It says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when we make up our minds to be Christians and profess ourselves to be followers of Christ, let's do it 
in a Texas way, you might say. Let, let's do it in a big way. Let's put on the whole armor of faith. And let's don't be uh, weak enough that we'll go back into the weak and beggarly elements of the world. But let's, let's do this thing like God wants us to do. It says that God, it doesn't please Him that we should perish but that we would all come to repentance and that we would all get eternal life. That's why he's left it here for everybody, for everybody that will. says, Come unto me, all ye that hunger and all ye that thirst and all ye that want to come unto me. Well, there's not a thing in the world to keep you from it. Now, what about the cost of it? What does it cost a person to become a Christian? Well, so the Bible says you can come without money and without price. Well, that's cheap enough. I believe we can all afford that. So if it doesn't cost anything, that's the first thing that many people will say, oh, I can't afford to belong to that church. They live beyond my means. Well, I'll tell you what. If you will belong to the church that God says will save you, and that is the church that will be united with the bridegroom when he comes, when the bride and the groom are united. That's the church that will save you, and that's the church that we've been telling you about here that you want to join. Because when this marriage takes place, that'll be the time then that if you don't have on the wedding garment, you'll be cast out. But if you do have it on, You'll get to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, modern philosophy teaches us many things that's good to hear. It's good to listen at. If we could just believe it, it would be the best thing in the world if it were true. But it isn't true. Modern philosophy has gone to the extreme that they, they don't even believe that there's a God. They think that man came into existence some way. They can't explain just how. But anyhow, he's here. Maybe he come from a little cell or maybe he come from a monkey or anything in the world, but don't say God made him. They, they won't have that at all. Now, many of the churches, they'll say, oh, yes, God made man and all, and they'll, they'll profess a lot of it, but they don't do this thing in a wholehearted way. They don't take the Bible all the way through. When it goes to more or less stepping on their toes and many times, they'll say, well, uh, now we, uh, this modern day and time, we don't have to do just that, like being baptized. That was, that's something that we've outlived the old standards. We can have our own means of things that way. Now, by all means... When you decide in your heart that you want to please God and that you want to put on this whole armor of faith, the thing for you to do is don't be influenced by anything in the world except the Bible here. And when you open the Bible and read it, believe what it says. And believe that God is able to perform what he's promised even though if we were dead, he has the power to raise us up from the dead. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if our faith is strong enough, 
then we will be moved into the waters of baptism. After that, we will be moved right on down that straight and narrow path which leads to life. And that's the thing that I'm telling you that, that you're supposed to do, what God wants you to do. And that's the channel that you're supposed to take. And if you try to do it any other way, it says anybody that tries to come up any other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So we don't want to be classified as that. And I thank you a lot.